Today on Locked on Los Angeles Kings, the Kings lose on the road and then win at home as the prophecy foretold. Plus, we talk with Jason Hernandez, host of Locked on Ducks, to get a preview of tonight's matchup against our frenemies, the Anaheim Ducks. All that and more today on Locked on Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Today's Monday, December 2nd, and no, I don't know how that happened at all. You're listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and my name is Sarah Avampato, Managing Editor of Jewels from the Crown, and your host and best friend as we descend into the meat of the hockey season? I don't know. The Kings are embarking on a whole ton of road games, and we're going to chronicle each and every one of them, no matter how awful they may be. We're going to talk a little bit later today about tonight's game, which is against the Anaheim in Anaheim, which is only sort of a road game. Like, technically, they're not at home, but really, really are they? It feels pretty home to me. But that is coming up later in the show. Right now, I want to give you a quick rundown of all the Kings action we missed over the weekend when, of course, they went up to San Jose and then fell all over themselves. Uh, <laughs> did not expect quite as poor of a performance as they put on on Friday night up in San Jose against the Sharks, but that is sure what we got. It was almost a shutout for Martin Jones until Kyle Clifford spoiled the party at the end of the game. Final score was 4-1 in that game. San Jose goals came from Patrick Marlowe, Mark Edward Vlasic, Noah Gregor, who I've literally never heard of before in my life, and Logan Couture. The Gregor goal was really the one that was kind of the backbreaker because the Kings ended the first period down 2-0 and like that's bad, but still like something you can come back from. And then 258 into the second, Gregor just unleashes a blast and it gets past quick, clean, and it is a stop that he should have had. If you ask a goalie, they're going to say they should have had every shot, but this is one that, you know, there was no screen, the puck took no weird bounces, it just beat Jonathan Quick, and that really was sort of deflating for the team. Kind of felt like once that happened, there wasn't any coming back from it, because the Kings had been playing pretty well to start the second period. They had all the momentum, they had possession, they were you know, shooting the puck, they were getting a lot on Martin Jones and just not being rewarded for it. And to see this like totally easy shot get past quick sort of sucked all the air out of the room for the Kings. Uh, But like I said, Cal Clifford scored his third of the year to avoid the shutout for Martin Jones. So not a great game for the Kings. They came out flat. Like it was one of those games where even when they were performing better, when they were getting more shots and everything, that they just didn't have the feeling that they were going to do anything with it. I didn't watch that game thinking at any point, like, ah, yes, the Kings are going to come back now. Like, it just seemed pretty meh from from the very get-go. So that was Friday. Kings came back home on Saturday to play the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg had just gotten done trouncing all over the Ducks the night before. So both teams on a back-to-back. The Kings got Laurent Bossois in net for the Jets, who is their backup goalie, who spent years, a couple years in Edmonton's system and never quite made it and has been a little bit better in Winnipeg, but was not particularly great against the Kings, which was good news for the Kings. The Kings ended up winning that game 2-1 to one with goals from Joachim Ryan. That came in the first period. It was his very first goal as a King. And then Nikolai Prohorkin scored another goal. Uh, he is making his living right now in scoring ugly goals. And you know what? 
the Kings need that. They need someone who's going to provide that depth scoring and who's just going to be at the front of the net and bang in some rebounds. And that is exactly what he did. He got a great pass from Trevor Lewis and was basically there in front of Rossois to just put in the loose puck. So Kings ended the first period up 2 nothing, and then held on for dear life for the next 40 minutes. The Jets did get on the board in the third period. Um, just one of those plays where Campbell came out to make one stop and he made it, but the puck sure didn't stay with him and the eventual goal scorer had pretty much an open net to shoot at. In the last two periods, the Jets outshot the Kings 27 to 15, if I added up all my math right. Jack Campbell sure had his work cut out for him as the game went on, including a last second, literally last second save on Mark Shifley, who for some reason the Kings let him have the puck at the end and let him just sort of waltz up to the net. Don't really know why or how that play happened, but Jack Campbell definitely saved everyone's bacon at the end of that. You know, Campbell in an interview afterwards was like, oh, like, I owe the guys some steak dinners because I, like, they bailed me out a couple times. Jack, honey, baby, you faced, like, a whole game's worth of shots in two periods. Like, they owe you all of the dinners. You bailed them out at the last second of the game when one of the best players on the team, on the Jets, just waltzed right up to you with the puck. Like, I respect to Jack Campbell's humility, but I'm pretty sure it's his teammates who should be thanking him after that that win. So it was great to see the Kings get a win. They made a new franchise high for wins in the month of November, seven wins, which feels weird, honestly, that it is 2019 and they have just now won seven games in a month in the month of November. Like, okay, like that's, I did not expect that to be a record we were going to be breaking uh, right now. Great to see them get the win at home and the month on a strong note. And also great to see Campbell get the win. Like he has not looked quite as great as we had hoped he would in some of his recent outings. So to see him string together a really strong performance was pretty important. Almost immediately after the game, Dusty Emu was on Twitter tweeting about Jack Campbell's win. So even though he is no longer part of the Kings organization, he, he sure does still love him some Jack Campbell. So that that's what the Kings did over the weekend. And now tonight, they've got to face the Anaheim Ducks, and the Ducks and the Kings are basically kind of the same team right now. They're older, they're rebuilding, they are struggling, they have new coaches, they have an infusion of youth that they are trying to get experience, and, you know, with that youth comes mistakes and comes games that could have been won that were not. Ducks have done things like give up a 4-0 lead recently, so both teams have a lot to learn and a lot to overcome. The Ducks currently are 11 12 and 4. They've won two of their last five. There's their challenge right there is that while they got off to a little bit of a hot start, they have been slumping as of late. In our next segment, we're going to talk with Jason J.D. Hernandez, host of Locked on Ducks, to get a little bit of a perspective on how exactly the Ducks are doing, who to watch out for, and who who's a little overrated. We're going to talk about that next on Locked on Los Angeles Kings, but first I want to tell you about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Listening on the go? Well, if you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors by going to LockedOnPodcasts.com offers. 
So we are here today with a special guest to talk about tonight's upcoming game against the Anaheim Ducks. And yes, we're finally playing them. It's December and we're just now getting around to playing the Ducks. I'm here with Jason J.D. Hernandez, host of Locked on Anaheim Ducks. And we're going to talk all things uh, feathered frenemies. Hi, how are you doing? Hello, hello frenemy. How are you? <laughs> I'm no, great. No, we are cool with each other. We're, we're, we're cool. Like that's that's how it you, you got to you got to be yeah come on we're all hockey fans we're all fans of the same sport I think hockey is the best sport in the land and this is not just because I'm on a hockey podcast and host a hockey podcast I worked in it for such a long time I have fallen in love with hockey it's the best but it's already December and these two teams haven't played each other yet come on NHL like, schedulers, what like, are you doing? Yeah, I'm surprised there's not like one game a week <laughs> of these two teams. But it is finally here. The long-awaited day has finally come. And uh, both teams are at the bottom of the standings. So it's not exactly the same level of hatred or level of uh, competitiveness, maybe, as it has been in seasons past. But the Ducks no, are kind no, of in no. the same. <laughs> to, to, to quote Jay Sherman from The Critic, they stink. They stink. Oh, that's putting it nicely, actually, I think. <laughs> <laughs> There's your critic so the case. <laughs> so the case of the Ducks are kind of in the same boat of being a rebuilding team, trying to just wait for some of these old contracts to go away and figuring out what's next for them. Both teams have new coaches this year. And so my first question I have for you is, what are the biggest differences in the Ducks this year since Dallas Eakins took over? Well, you use the phrase new coach, and he's not necessarily a new coach. He has been in the system since the San Diego Goals came back to the American Hockey League five seasons ago. Eakins was their only coach. And the advantage to that is most of the current Ducks have played under Eakins before. Most of them know the system. And because the Ducks roster consists of a bunch of 20-somethings, I'd say more than half of the current Ducks roster have at one point played under Dallas Eakins. I know Troy Terry definitely has. Um, Max Jones has. Holzer has. Steele has. Grant has. Most of these guys that are starting for the Ducks, they're used to Dallas Eakins already. And they're used to his system of playing and his 200-feet style. So, you know, I don't like to use the phrase new coach, but I will just say new for the Ducks. And I guess the biggest difference, first off, is that the Ducks are playing all 200 feet. I know last year was kind of a disaster with Randy Carlisle behind the bench. <laughs> and as I've told you before, you know, Carlisle kind of ruined Gibson last year. <laughs> Maybe that's somewhat of a bigger difference is while Gibson is still being used a lot, he's not as overused this year than he was last year, although it is only December 1st or December 2nd tomorrow. We'll see what happens later on in the year. Poor John Gibson. Like as a as a Pittsburgh-ish native, that's where I grew up. Like he he's a, a guy that I root for, even though he's on the Ducks, because you got to root for these small number of local-ish products. And I, I mean, you have to uh, go, but when how, we all know how good how good he is 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 tough. Like how how can you not root for a guy like John Gibson? Um, I think he is entering his prime right now. He's only 26 years old right now. I think he is an elite goaltender if he could only get some help on the defensive end. That's something that the Ducks still struggle with is, you know, having to work on letting guys in way too easily, you know, instead of having teams just dump and chase, you know, it's picket fence defense. They're letting them in way too easy. And Gibson has said that he does need some help at times, you know, get into those lanes, get those block shots. It is a process. Dallas Eakins is trying to process these guys 
and ease them into a newer system than they're used to, unless you're young guys that have been on both San Diego and Anaheim. And there's a couple of guys on the Ducks roster that were significant, that had significant time with Dallas Eakins. I talked about Sam Steele, who had that playoff run last year all the way to the conference finals against a team that you're familiar with, the Chicago Wolves. I mean, you you saw some of these goals players back then, and they looked pretty impressive against Chicago last year, I thought. Oh, yeah. That was a series I honestly didn't think Chicago was going to get out of. And <laughs> watching watching the goals and watching some of those young guys really step up and kind of grow into their own was scary, both from a Wolves perspective and from a Kings perspective, knowing that these guys are all going to grow up eventually to be major players on the Ducks in the future. Right. And if you paid attention, most of these games were on NHL Network last year if Ducks fans you were watching and I hope some of you were if you look at the style of play that the goals had last year during their playoff run and you look at the Ducks right now it is very similar and it's a little bit faster pace something that is great for the team as constructed if the Ducks weren't my sworn enemies I'd be very excited for them (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not (laughs) I'm right. excited we're, for them in a theoretical way. We're supposed way. to be enemies. We're supposed to hate each other. <laughs> urr, urr. Boo, ducks. <laughs> No, so I, are the I, ducks? I, I, could, I could never in my life say boot. <laughs> like even even like it's just it, it would hurt. Like your heart. Like I mean, really, just like yay Southern California hockey, but also like ooh ducks. <laughs> I'll I'll, ref, I'll refrain from comment because this is on the Kings podcast. <laughs> but I host a Ducks podcast. Take take with that what you will. <laughs> Yay, but Ducks! I'll, but I'll but I'll just preface by saying there was a team before the Ducks were there. You could put two and two together. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so the Ducks this season, like I said, they're kind of hanging out at the bottom down with the Kings. Is this about what you expected out of them? Or do you see them making some kind of crazy playoff push? Or are they hoping for a lottery spot as well as the Kings? Ducks fans have heard me say this all season long. Temper your expectations. This is supposed to be a rebuild. This is not supposed to be a team that's going to make it to the Stanley Cup final as constructed. I had them as a fringe chance of making a wild card. They could possibly be still in the race with a week to go. Do I expect them to make the playoffs? I'm going to say a qualified no, unless something happens in the next two months. So I, I can't see them just pushing. For a playoff spot. They're all very young. They don't know how to win on close games yet. You look at the Ducks' overtime record. They're, well, one and four now. And most of these losses, you know, they had a bunch of overtime losses in the month of November, albeit to good teams. They had one, one overtime win all season long, and that was Dia de los Muertos night, which means they should have Spanish broadcasters every game. That's the good luck charm for awesome. the Ducks. The, yeah, there you go. Like that. But, that's there you go. Is how you get them to win every game. I, I think that's happened. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. I think Mexican <laughs> broadcasters are fantastic and should be on every hockey. I mean, I know that's not possible, but should be in every hockey market. I know the Blackhawks. They had Spanish language. L.A. obviously does with uh, Francisco X Rivera, and the Ducks had one for one game finally. That was the one overtime game they've won all season. That's it. Aside from that. So having a Spanish language broadcasting for the the game will not only get the Ducks a win, but it will also doom them to 82 games of overtime. So this feels like a be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Don't wish that on the Ducks. (laughs) Do not wish that (laughs) That, evil. That gives me anxiety just thinking about it. 
it, it was anxiety working the last rain goals game on Friday. <laughs> that well, probably yeah, should no, have no gone thing. to overtime. But as it oh. was, I mean, the Ducks lost a heartbreaker to Chicago on the third, where the Ducks never even touched the puck in overtime. Chicago won the faceoff. They played keep away. They held the puck the whole time. And of course, some guy named Kane, I guess he's pretty good. He scored the game winning goal in overtime. Then they lost to the Red Wings in overtime. They lost to Florida in overtime, which Ducks fans still hate because that was the game where the Ducks lost a four goal lead. And that's something that the Ducks have to be careful about. That's the main reason why I think Anaheim will not make the playoffs. They do not know how to close out games. That's the youth showing right there. Unless they can close out those two goal, three goal, four goal leads, they're not going to go anywhere this season. And that just comes with experience. Speaking of experience, um, I was at the uh, Blackhawks Stars game the other day, and I, you know, always go down to the glass to watch warmups and, you know, get to see all their little faces up close and personal. And there was Corey Perry in a Stars jersey. So is it super weird oh to see him playing for another <laughs> team? And was buying him out the right move for the Ducks? In a word, yes to both. It was okay. Seeing Corey Perry in a Stars uniform is just really bizarre. It's strange because he was always that guy that got under people's skins. And for the longest time, Ducks fans will say, you know, we love having Corey Perry there. He knows how to score. He knows how to get under certain players' skins over the course of a playoff series. You saw that in 2017, where Corey Perry kind of instigated, kind of, you know, had a little shove in there and got under the skin of the young, at time, Edmonton Oilers. He got under the skin of players like McDavid and Nugent Hopkins, you know, guys of that ilk. So it's it's sad seeing him gone from the Ducks. It's very weird, but was buying him out the right move? I would say a qualified yes, because it gives the Ducks a lot more flexibility as far as salary cap that they did not have before. That's a big thing. And you look at some of the contracts they have for the Ducks right now, you know, Gibson is going to be around for a considerable amount of time. Getzloff is going to be there for a couple more seasons, but Getzloff, he's having a pretty solid start to the season. Yes, he's on the older side, but come on, he just had his thousandth game. He's about to break the franchise record for most points. The cap hit is not as bad as it once was. You know, Getzloff is around for two more seasons. Adam Henrique and Jakob Silverberg, they're going to be around, I think, for five more seasons. And it's a fairly cap-friendly team right now because a bunch of these guys are unrestricted free agents. You know, the one guy that you kind of have to make a decision about after 2021 is Andre Kasha. With Kasha's game the way it is now, the Ducks have the flexibility to send him with a long-term contract, possibly at an AAV of $5 million a year. That would be pretty cap-friendly right there. Ricard Raquel, he's going to be unrestricted, and he's been up and down this year. I think he's been pretty solid for the most part this season. And Cam Fowler, Cam Fowler has a big contract hit at six and a half mil per season. So to get rid of that contract is good in that aspect, but you hate 
to see that scoring go. So qualified, yes. So Corey Perry's one of those guys that like, yeah, you, you hate him when he's playing against your team. You'd probably love to have him on your team. He's obviously not as good as he was, but he's still a really talented player. Uh, and he's a guy who the Kings in recent years have had no answer for. And it's kind of a thing that has spoken to the sort of change in leadership and the changing of the guard in a way for the Kings. Because for years, they had guys like Willie Mitchell, Mike Richards, Matt Green, Jared Stoll, and guys who were not afraid to mix it up and not afraid to like get in Corey Perry's face. They knew how to deal with that kind of level of pestiness. And now that all of those guys are gone from the team and generally the league, um, the Kings <laughs> haven't really had, really haven't had an answer to Corey Perry. And they've had like Jonathan Quick, who's been the guy who like mixes it up with him all the time. But for the you most know this, part, you know, this you means know, LA's he, probably going to win on Monday. I mean, probably. <laughs> no, I have no idea. They, they don't have someone who really knows how to respond to that or who knows how to deal with it in an effective way and instead it is guys like Corey Perry and guys like Getzloff getting under the skin of these young guys who respond in ways that don't necessarily help the team and that's been kind of interesting to watch as the Kings transition out of those veteran leader kind of players to see how they deal with that so I'm not too sad to see the back of Corey Perry for the most part because that's (laughs) like five games a year I don't have to worry about like someone taking a stupid cross-checking penalty because they got mad at Corey Perry and didn't know I, how I to mean, deal with maybe, their feelings. Maybe Eric Goodbranson could fill that role. <laughs> I have a feeling Curtis McDermott's going to be in the lineup for this game. Let's just say that. <laughs> oh, I kind of hope so. I, I honestly would love to see a fighting matchup between Eric Goodbranson and Curtis McDermott. Those are two heavyweights. I, I mean, I think I they're, still be... probably, they're still probably mad at McDermott from the game a couple years ago where he hit Kasha and I think concussed him. I feel like there's probably still bad blood from that, like in addition to just the general Kings-Ducks bad blood. Considering how beloved Kasha has become for the Ducks, I could see that boiling over a little bit. Oh, yeah. Andre Kasha is actually one. He's someone who I like always use an example of a guy who defies the expectations of being a guy picked in the late, like he's a seventh round draft pick or whatever, and has been extraordinarily successful and started his career very early. You know, he didn't spend a bunch of years in the minors. He pretty much came up. And so he's always sort of my example of a player that you may not have expected to succeed and yet has done really well for himself. So kind of in that vein, who would you say is the most underrated player on the Ducks? And since we were talking about this before we started recording, who's the most overrated player? <laughs> I definitely have answers to both. And I'll start with underrated players. I agree that Andre Kasha, he's beginning to get more play. So he's not as underrated as he used to be because more people are paying attention to him. And rightfully so. Andre Kasha celebrations are probably one of my favorite things to watch every time I see the Ducks play. Every time he not only scores a goal, every time he gets a point, he celebrates like it's game seven of the cup final. It's so remarkable just watching him. He'll jump up in the air like a crazed man. And just the joy on his face makes him so fun to watch. But players right now that I think are severely underrated and he's starting to get some attention. Hashtag Elite 1C Derek Grant. That is <laughs> that is my pick. That's, that's he had the that hashtag. hat trick. He had a hat trick the other day, didn't he? And everyone was he like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah. People around the league are going, Derek who? What? Who is this guy? Ducks fans know who he is. And he was finally rewarding the Ducks fans with that. I think my favorite thing about that hat trick was now Derek Grant has to name his buddy's firstborn child. That's my favorite thing. Oh, no. 
<laughs> yes, he does. So get those baby names ready. Uh, but Derek Grant's a guy that has been around for a long time. He's kind of grinded through the National Hockey League. He's already at 29. And he's finally coming into his own a lot more this season. He's another one of those guys that's bounced back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. Uh, those in SoCal might recognize him being with the Calgary Flames, but also with the Stockton Heat for a couple seasons. And Rain fans know this, but Derek Grant has burned the rain before. You know, he burned Peter Budai scoring two on him, including an overtime game winner. And we'll see if he burns the Kings tomorrow for Anaheim. Yeah. Who's your overrated player? <laughs> okay. I, I might get some hate for this. I might get some fans saying, no, it's pretty expected. I think right now, Corbinian Holzer has been a little bit overrated, even though he's not making above a million this year. You know, Holzer being on that line for the Ducks, I think he might be better off going down to the third line. But then you have Michael Delzato down there as well. And he's also pretty overrated. I think the Delzato contract wasn't the worst in the world because those are two guys that are not significant cap hits. So I can't say they're completely overrated, but those are two guys whose games could be better, I think. Sorry, Ducks fans, but that's just those are the two that I think are a bit overrated for my taste. I'm not going to lie. Like every time Holzer's name comes up, I go, wait, he's still playing. <laughs> so I, that kind of tells you everything that all the impact he has on on other teams and the awareness of him. Like every time I'm like, is, why is he still here? He's still there and you know still what? on the Ducks. Ducks fans are saying this, too. Oh, Holzer's starting. Why is he a healthy scratch? Why is this person a scratch? Why isn't this person called up from the San Diego goals? Why not? Um, because of a contract? I don't know. <laughs> right? Those are pesky little things. <laughs> Who knows yeah, about contracts? Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess they have to earn their money a little Weird. Yeah. So spe- speaking about the gulls, uh, like the Kings, the Ducks are looking to get more youth in their lineup, and they have a lot of exciting young players coming up uh, through the AHL, through the gulls, and, you know, also through prospects as well. Which of the team's young guys are you most excited about seeing uh, in the future? Uh, that are on the goals or on the Ducks right now? Because there's answers to both. Because <laughs> the Ducks I mean, have... wh- whichever one you feel like. <laughs> the Ducks have a bunch of young guys on their team. I mean, Max Jones, I think is I think he could possibly be a future second liner. I think Sam Steele could become a star player in the future. Sam Steele is one of those guys that I think is still raw, but he has got a lot of potential talent that could be top line. He's got amazing speed down the dashers. He's got a pretty accurate shot, too. I like Sam Steele a lot. Uh, Troy Terry, he scored a goal for the Ducks recently, and he's another guy that, you know, you look at the youth for the Ducks. That is their entire movement right now. They, at one point, had nine players that were 24 or younger on the active roster for Anaheim. Most of those guys are now down with San Diego. And I, I love San Diego's roster right now, which is why they are beginning to win games now. You know, Max Comtois, he was with Anaheim earlier in the season. He had two apples on his last his game at Tucson. You know, Comtois is another guy that could have gone first line with Ryan Getzloff. That didn't work out as well, but I think Comtois is still kind of coming onto his own a little bit. He's still a very young player. He's still considered a prospect in the system. He's only 20 years old right now. He's not even old enough to drink yet. And you come in with a guy that has a lot of talent. He's a good draft pick. He's a very, very solid player. 
So I see Comtois coming up maybe later this year if needed, but again, he's still a prospect. Isaac Lundestrom is another guy that Ducks fans and Kings fans for that matter need to look out for in the future. He's going to be right right there with the center position. He's going to be battling with Adrian Kempe on the faceoff circle sooner rather than later. Just watch. Isaac Lundestrom oh, is no. going to He's a great faceoff player too. And Adrian Kempe isn't <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to say it, but you said it for me. <laughs> this has this has been a curse for Kempe since his rookie season in the Ontario Reign in 2015-2016. I mean, Kempe's faceoffs even back then were in the 40%. So, sorry Kings fans, but Isaac Lundestrom's going to come to town next year and he's going to start winning faceoffs against Adrian Kempe. So, watch out for that. Sorry to say. That's okay. If, eventually they're going to realize that Adrian Kempe should be a wing and they'll put him there forever and then we won't have to deal with this anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) and one other player that i like that's another kind of youngish prospect he's only 21 22 years old that i had a conversation with last night was alex dosty dosty scored his seventh goal of the season last night against tucson and he's another player that you know could be that center position for years to come he would be for me a French player that would yo-yo back and forth between the A and the NHL. So Dosti could make some noise later on. But I think the two the two biggest names that I think, Max Comtois and Isaac Lundestrom, those are names that the Ducks are going to look forward to having in the near future. Oh, and Josh Mahura. How can I forget about Josh Mahura? He has his own <laughs> song for crying out loud. Uh, just a little shout out. Uh, the Ducks organist, Gil Ember, he has songs. For every Ducks player after their name is announced. And I love that Josh Mahura's song is Hakuna Matata. Since apparently Mahura sounds like Matata. So they say Mahura, Matata, Mahura, Matata. It means no That's worries. so good. That's so good. <laughs> the Ducks do a good it. job with that kind of stuff as far as their in-game operations go. They do a great job with that. Oh, it gives it a little bit of character. Well, that is, those are some guys we, I'm going to write their names down and uh, not forget about them whenever they're burning the Kings pretty soon. Uh, so I have one <laughs> last question for you, and it is not a question that I put on the list, but I personally hate making predictions um, because A, I'm bad at it, and B, sometimes I make them and they like go right, and then I feel like I created some sort of weird magic, and that's very uncomfortable to me. So I don't like to make predictions, but I really like making other people make predictions instead. So what do you think the outcome of Monday night's game is? If Gibson is starting, then he'll give up four goals early, he'll get pulled, and they'll lose big time. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is not 2014. Tamu Solani is not coming through that tunnel. Corey oh, Perry man. is not coming through that tunnel. Oh, I love Tamu. <laughs> uh, honest prediction... I think it is going to go overtime tomorrow, and I'm going to say four to three in overtime in favor of the Kings. Ooh, I like it. Living dangerously. I'm going to get hate mail from Ducks fans right now, but the Kings are kind of streaking a little bit right now. They've had some good games as of recent. Anaheim had a hot start. They've cooled off a bit. They had a very bad loss on Black Friday against Winnipeg. They showed me absolutely nothing on Friday's game. So, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Ducks fans, but I'm going to say the Kings win this game in overtime. All right, well, we will see. We'll see what happens later tonight when the Kings take on the Anaheim Ducks in Anaheim. Thank you for being with me today, and uh, tell all the listeners out there where they can find you on the Internet. They can find me on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. That is the Locked on Ducks podcast. 
or you can follow me personally at StimpyJD. That's Stimpy as in the cartoon, Ren and Stimpy JD. Thank you so much, and, and we'll, of I, course, have you back on in I the future. Prom- I make this promise right now. If you follow, I will show all the food offerings at Pachanga Arena in a couple of weeks, because there's a lot of really good food that the goals are offering. Just saying. Yeah, we, we, we got a little bit of a, I got a little preview of this when we were talking earlier. And so for the rain fans out there, you should definitely be making the trek down to San Diego, A, because the gulls and the rain play each other like a million times a year. And B, and because as you will learn, and it's fun. And also the food there, there's some good food choices. So definitely go check that out on the Twitter. So thanks so much for being here. And we will talk in the future next time our awful teams play each other. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. That's all we've got today. Thank you to Jason for coming on the show today and chatting ducks. We'll, of course, check in with him again later this season as our teams face off like 14 more times. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back tomorrow to recap the Ducks game. We're going to hope that we get the outcome that Jason predicted for us. That 4-3 overtime win, I'll take it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed yet, if you are a new listener, just go ahead and find that subscribe button in your app or whatever you're listening to this show on. Hit that button and leave a review, leave a rating if you're liking what you're hearing. And of course, tell all of your friends about it. I'm sure you have a Kings fan friend or work buddy or carpool friend or frenemy or whatever who has not quite listened to this show yet. And send the link to them. Make sure they know about it and that they too can get in on this excitement every day of the week. You can find me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. That's W-R-I-T-E said Sarah with an H. And also find the podcast on Twitter at Locked on LA Kings. Both of those places are great ways for you to get in touch with me. Leave me questions. Let me know what you want to hear more of, less of, anything you've got a feeling on. Tell me about it on the internet on the Twitter, or send me an email at LockedOnLAKings at gmail.com if you've got longer feelings than the Twitter format will allow. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.